Hey, greetings, everybody. Uh, Wesley Pepper here, and you're tuned to my podcast, Wesley Pepper's Art Lexia. Um, this is episode 71, and just to recap on last week's episode, uh, thanks to the art company Soweto, um, that ep- the, I recorded that gig um, in 2021, and um, yeah, as I mentioned in the last week's episode, uh, and the last three episodes that uh, my comp- you know, I've registered now a new company, and we have a new look and a new feel and a new everything. And from today's episode, uh, I'm going to start announcing my producer, which my new producer, which is Julius Patson, all the way from Harare in Zimbabwe. Because that's it, man, world. We've gone totally pan-Africanist, man. Uh, for us, by us. That's my gig. So um, big up to the brother Julius Patson for coming through my king. He's been producing all the episodes so far. And we'll be working together for hopefully for a long, long time. And and um, the new company, I still won't give it away right now, but it's the app, you know, um, it's all the app. So we're producing a e-store um, and a gallery. And well, the e-store is a gallery and, I'm, and in the future, I'm hoping to do, we'll do books as well. And then the streaming platform. So the streaming platform cats will be able to uh, stream and have, get, and have people pay for their uh, audio. Um, you're able to stream gigs and you'll be able to have people pay for your audience and the e-store will be more video vr based um but i'll be unpacking this thing bit for bit over the in fact for the next year because a lot of the things that i'm aligning um including the um this podcast is in that direction so lots coming man and um yeah so talking about moving forward and um today's episode um I think this. I think this is this incredibly progressive, and um, incredibly brave. Um, and in moving forward, I think um, I really wanted to speak to her today. We're talking to Alette Franks, all the way from she's in, she's based in in Cape Town um, right now, and um, she has a super interesting story, man. So um, I've been following Alette on um, I think yeah, just Facebook. I'm not sure on on, on Instagram as well, but I know on Facebook, and. Um, I've always noticed there was something about this lady, especially um, her art, because her art was really, was really aggressive and, and really hardcore. And not to pack everything away, but she's also a whistleblower. Well, not to give everything away, sorry, but she's a whistleblower. And we're unpacking the art, uh, the politics around that whistleblowing her background adverts um, and just her, her background in general and the arts in general. Um, this is a super, super cool uh, episode. Um, so, man, I hope you guys really enjoy it. I certainly had fun talking to her. And, um, yeah, man, it's the first episode of this new look and feel with the Papers Art Lexia. And um, to have somebody <laughs> as touchy and as I let to come through was fantastic. So I hope you guys enjoy, enjoy today's episode and I'll chat to you after this. Uh, Alette Franks, thank you very much for coming through. Thank you for uh, me. You know, um, yeah, I know I invited you some time ago. Um, you said you were dealing with whatever, whatever you couldn't make it. So I know that um, artists, we've got a, we have this thing of always wanting things to happen now. Um, I think the society really programs us. So I try my best to be a bit more patient with everything. So if somebody can't make it, can't make it. And I'm glad you you <laughs> you uh, reached out. So thanks for that. So we spoke a little bit off air about like how we are going to structure today's uh, talk. Um, so reading up a little bit about you, I saw that you're from Joburg. 
uh, you were born there and all of that, and you went to Wits. So I would assume that was in the 80s. I finished right? it in 79. I finished at Wits, my final degree. Yeah. Okay, so this year. I'm older than you think. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so yeah, man, like, 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 let's start with them and like, what was it like? Because uh, Wits has kind of a uh, reputation of uh, breeding ground for liberals, you know, for, for, for that. So what was it like in the 70s, man? And, 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 and I'll explain, like, what, what were you studying that then? And I did the, 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 that environment shape. I'll let well, you know, in the 70s, 1976 happened. And that shaped the whole future of South Africa as well. So it had a dramatic effect at Wits. Wits joined in with the protests and try to help people in Soweto and all sorts of things. So I was involved in all of that. Although I never joined NUSAS or SAVS, I was a little on the cautious side. I didn't want to be identified. We knew that there were spies everywhere watching people and the ones who got watched usually got locked up. <laughs> I didn't want to be one of those. So I kept yeah. a low profile and did my own thing. Um, aside from participating in, in marches with the black people, I also, I lived in a multiracial area in Yeovil at that stage as a student. And I started helping young kids, young students get out of the country through Lesotho. And oh. that was very secret. Oh. I mean, nobody who I was sharing the house with even knew that I was doing that. It was just an agreement with, between us okay. that it would be that way between me and the people I was shifting. Um, I'm sure I don't even know their names. Do you know what I mean? Everything was very yeah. secretive and we'd arrive at the Buta Buta border just before five o'clock when they were wanting to close it up. So although I was searched and my car was hurriedly searched, my, my passengers were never found. They were hidden under blankets and cooking utensils and tents and easels and paint and all sorts of things. It was a real cover. And it worked. It worked bloody well. So I've always had a political leaning. When I was about 12 years old, my nanny taught me what apartheid means. And it just fucking blew my mind. So... <laughs> Yeah, it blew my mind. So I've always been very socially and I suppose politically conscious. Under the old regime, I did not have the kind of freedom of expression that I have now. Um, and I never wanted to get locked up for the cause because I didn't see how that could advantage me in any way. I do have friends who got locked up and some who died. Um, I didn't want to go that way. Uh, <clears throat> I'd have had a lot of political capital if I did go that way, but I didn't go that way. Yeah. Actually, you're raising, a, you're raising an, um, an interesting point about the freedom of expression. Um, 
um, in the 70s. Um, so, I mean, like, you've lived through quite a few decades. And, like, uh, what do you, what's your take on freedom of expression today? Because my take is um, we actually limited <laughs> much more, like, during the, during the apartheid over there, during the apartheid days, if you read a book that was banned, you could still read it somewhere. Um, it was a mission, obviously, and there was anxiety of actually reading it and so on. But you could actually do it today. Today, today, you can't. There's a there's the your metadata tracks you, um, and and if you, I mean, you can't speak up against. Yeah, exactly. yeah so so. Well, I'd like to know. So it was much harder to follow a person, or to track a person, or to spy on uh, a person. Um, these days, it's much easier for the state to do that. So, yeah. And bizarrely, the new regime is very much like the old regime in many ways. The more things it's change, the more it stays the same. I often wake up with a, a stunned expression on my face that this is what it's. This is where we're at. You know. How do you think? How do you think that has impacted your work, man? Like, I'm like, I'm interested in your thought processes because, I mean, I looked at your work. I've been following your work for a for for a while on social media, and I've noticed a consistency in terms of, firstly, the technique. And I want to get there. I said I would talk about your technique and how it sort of <clears throat> evolved, if it has, and so on. And but like the subject matter also, because you pretty, you pretty, you 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 go in hard. Um, um, you go in, you're going pretty hard. And um, if I must look at, uh, let's take the Jehovah Art Fair, for example, uh, or now the recent Cape Town Art Fair, the majority of the work there doesn't really challenge authority. Um, and we can talk, I mean, that's a topic on its own. Uh, we can, we can, we can explore that. I know I, I have my uh, thoughts on why and so on. But, um, you know, you know, I don't, I don't really see a lot of, but, you go in, you go in pretty hard. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, just explain to us a little bit from the start. Well, how did you, or rather, or rather, let me put it to you like this, uh, just for just for the listeners, as as well. An artist theme uh, work reflects and murders their society. That's what they see. Uh, so yeah, just explain to me a little bit about how you view everything and how society and how it um, related to your work. Well, I guess my my in-your-face art started uh, when I was a board member on the State Theatre, the Transformation Board of the State Theatre, uh, appointed there by Ungabani after uh, I was nominated by the community, Limpopo community, to represent them on that board. And my duty there was to raise the profile of Limpopo and to try and create changes in Limpopo's benefit. Once the State Theatre um, became only the property of Gauteng, so to speak, because of the nine different provinces now, the Limpopo was excluded from the benefits of the State Theatre. So it was up to the board to work out how, in what way could the state theater or the change, the transformation help to benefit Limpopo? Um, and so I would raise, amongst all the other duties I had to do as a board member, public finance management system and so on, I had sure. to raise that issue. 
And to my amazement, it really pissed off key people in the board. Um, <clears throat> to the extent that they more than once put me into tears because I was so um, demanding, I suppose. Anyway, myself and another person in the board, we uncovered a slush fund that had actually been set up by the previous regimes, but was still there. And we, in our naivety, thought, well, this is great. There's extra money there for the theater or for the arts. We must disclose it and report to the minister and treasury and have this money accessible, you know? That was a big mistake because there were already members, sure. new members on this new transformation board that were aware of the secret slush fund. And they had their own ideas entirely what they wanted to do with it. And that included Minister Ngubani. So we became whistleblowers without intending to be whistleblowers. We just thought we were doing a good job. Um, That's yeah. a crazy story. So the only way they could really deal with me was to scream at me that I'm a racist. I'm a racist out to destroy the arts of the new South Africa. It was really bizarre. Um, but when you're a white person and you get accused of being racist, it's a very, very prejudicial label because it's so powerful. Anyway, to cut a long story short, the battle went on for a few years while they tried to get the whistleblowers off the board. I can show you documents I wrote. We went to the minister, we went to the DG, we went to the SCOFA, we went to the SIU, we went to the public protector, we went all over the place. Eventually the public protector was producing an investigation, um, which only took eight years and a bloody court order to force him to produce it. Yeah. Because the whole thing is, is they were trying very hard to prove that the whistleblowers were just racists and that's what the problem was. But these two women had such clear knowledge of what was really happening. And on top of it, we had clear knowledge on, on the constitution and on the state theater's constitution and all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't yeah. you know, give us reason why you should not be fired is what the DG wrote to us. And so we gave him very good reason. And they couldn't cope with it. They couldn't just fire us on that basis. Eventually, after two years or so, they actually fired the whole board. That was the only way they could get rid of the whistleblowers. They fired the whole board, but then they reappointed uh, quite a few of them who were party to the the planned shenanigans with the secret smash fund. So, that is an yeah, unbelievable so, story. Some very important people who are still very active in the arts. Mm. And a lot of them are now dead as well. <laughs> as life goes on and some passed away and some continue in their careers, you know. And I've never met, I've never called them out publicly because I'm just not a vicious bitch. I wish I was something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, like I've got I've got a bunch of questions. Um, uh, you mind do you mind if I if I get if I try to get you know unpick the story sure, a little bit more? Are you yeah. okay talking about it? Okay, man. So, uh, 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 what? Uh, when did when did all of this happen? Uh, I'm, I'm talking like when was it in the early nine late nineties? Um, we were appointed to the board in late ninety four, early ninety five. So this went on from like ninety five to ninety eight, roughly. I think it was ninety eight that we were finally all fired from the board. Interesting. Uh, uh, I just wanna, I just wanna put this on. So uh, I, I do a fair bit of reading myself. Um, and yeah, I, I won't comment further on that. But what I did find out right was that this guy, <clears throat> and I'm not gonna try to call names. I'm just gonna call it like it is. And uh, yeah, without hoping to trouble myself. What I have noticed in the late 90s, like when we were building Con Hill, for example, I want to use that as a, um, especially that art collection, when that art collection was being collected, and then so on. There was a very specific narrative that was set up there um, um, in terms of that um, not, uh, narrative style of art that continues up to this day, that like Black artists are supposed to represent dot, 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 that thing, that beast started, uh, was uh, being formed in the early 90s. When, when the artists from XR were coming back. And uh, so the powers that be sort of felt like, okay, enough of this apartheid, uh, 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 you know, black consciousness thingy, like we're free now, we're happy now, life moves on. And um, I've, I've noticed uh, that myself. So what I wanna ask based on based that observation, uh, did these powers that be, did they, specifically because if they setting up like like explaining over there then then their interest was not the arts it was their own pockets um but the actions has impact in our lives today uh because that ball was started back then uh do you think these guys were crafting a a certain narrative to keep artists passive and to keep a certain uh style of work more popular because these days um there's not a lot of artists that really question authority because there's no money there and that's as simple as that i'm sure more artists will would if if that but they know like you can't because you just won't eat well yeah, so do you understand I, what I'm, I think, where I'm coming from i think there was some kind of a i don't know but a backstage agreement between people there was definitely some kind of move there uh, certain artists were very approved and others were ignored and still others were bashed on the head. Um, I think what happened in a big way was that we landed up with a, a government that actually knew very little about the arts and cared very little about the arts but they were very intrigued when they found secret monies hidden there. And also they were, they were struck by how much money was given by government to the state theater and to other provincial theaters that were state approved, like KPAB and NAPAC and so on. But, I mean, back in those days, 30 million bucks was a huge amount of money to go to a 
the theater. It's not a big amount of money at all, but back then to them, and I can understand why they think it was a huge amount of money. Um, and then they found the secret slush fund, which was also another huge amount of money. Uh, so it got twisted right from the start where people's personal interests and politicians with powerful interests in the people they had appointed to the top positions in these arts structures. And they did appoint artists there, but they also appointed people with political connections. So it was, it, you know, I was yeah. naive. I thought we were there to transform things, Absol but I was wrong. Absolutely crazy we were story. We to continue things and to make sure that yeah. the guys at the top yeah. ate all the cherries. <laughs> I don't know how else to phrase it, you know? The same thing happened in the National Arts Council. I was also a member of the National Arts Council. Until, of course, I was fired from the State Theatre and then I was gone overnight from the National Arts Council. And the same sort of shit was happening there, which interestingly had the same chairman in place at the National Arts Council and at the State Theatre Board. To do some homework, you'll work out exactly who I'm talking about. Whoa. You know, I'm trying <laughs> as a podcast host here. Yeah, I'm trying to keep. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm <laughs> you're making this difficult. I wanna. I wanna ask too many like. <laughs> but I know that this thing is getting out in the public, um, and I have a career, and I think that point there already is problematic because as artists, I want to know. Yeah, I want. I want. I want. I want answers, but I know that if I should ask certain answers, I know I won't be eating bread. I know I won't be eating in a few years. And in fact, um, I've, I've, and this is just to deviate slightly over the topic because I'm going to get it right back. I just want to put something on the table. Um, I was involved with a certain uh, art studio and um, I've noticed, uh, yo, I noticed really horrible things there in terms of like, are they, uh, what art they view as, high low etc etc and i've and i've and i've and i've noticed uh i've always questioned uh, uh where's this where does the money go because at this certain studio artists got a uh a, a, a what's this word where, where somebody paid for you <laughs> like you know um shit man i you know i got a brain freeze there but anyway some somebody paid for you to be there so you could go there for free and i was always wondering like how much money because they never disclosed that they always just gave you a stipend and coffee and stuff like that. Well, I, 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 worked at a, I worked at a small art studio also in the late 70s, early 80s, which also had funds for students who couldn't afford, but they were covered by the donations or the funds. And I had students yes. I was teaching who were asking me to help them out with paper and pencils and all sorts of things, which I did, but it made me start thinking, isn't there money for these things? Because donations were made, funds were given over that should be made available for these things. Um, and when I raised those questions in the right places at the board, at the head of the art school and so on and so forth, I quickly found myself without a job. And so it became, and that was one of the most esteemed, multiracial, forward-thinking art schools of the time. 
So it was a hell of a surprise to me to discover that he's pro-change, pro or anti-apartheid institutes were actually very much taking care of their own interests through exploiting these other means. I mean, somebody was living off all those funds that were not reaching the poor black students, but they were also using the, oh, we teach poor black students as, as part of their kick, part of their fame. It was a bit sick. Anyway, I raised all of that, and so I soon found myself without another job. Are that like, <laughs> you know, I can laugh at that now. Back then, I, can, I was I very can understand. Angry. I can totally, I can totally understand that. Like, and you know, you're raising so many things here, man. And um, I, will, I actually want to want to just go back to your to your art making because knowing all of this and 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 then living all this, we touched earlier on like your work is really part of a of fun, and you really like loud. Your work is incredibly loud. Is that you know? Is these these things like that fuel your aggressive like your let me say your aggressive approach? Because you're seriously unapologetic. Oh, I think so. Your work is incredibly unapologetic. I think so, definitely. I think I've also used my work as a way of screaming. <laughs> when I can't scream in public and I can't scream at these heavy people. So I use my art to do it instead, to tell the whole story. It's also my art is very much storytelling as well. I put a whole lot of shit into one painting. And I suppose it also helps me, it's kind of cathartic for me as well in a certain way, because after that I can laugh. I can actually even see some humor in my paintings as well, in my artwork. I see a lot of humor. I don't know if that's just my Jewish connections, <laughs> my Jewish roots, but in the end I see humor in there as well, especially in the collages that I've done the past, 10 years, I see. Interesting, interesting. Uh, your yeah, collages are particularly beautiful, actually, and I yeah. did notice some form people of satire. Squirm and then they giggle, because they kind of get, they get both sides somehow. They get both those emotions out of it. And I really like that, because when they squirm, it means it's touching something in them. And when they giggle, it means, oh, they've seen the funny side of it as well. So I rather enjoy that. Uh, take us, take us a little bit through, uh, just to give the, the listeners like some insight into your thought processes. So give us into like how would you create? Um, because one of the, the themes I've seen is quite, um, especially in more recent work, was the Maricana massacre and the the the, the, the power structure um, behind that. Yes. So I guess this 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 for argument's sake, let's just use that as an example. Um, explain to us like uh, your process. So, so how will you pick a certain person or topic and, and or, you know or, 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 or theme and and and, and 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 create art like like explain to us that process. Yeah, interesting. After, after I was fired from the state theater, for instance, I spent a lot of time producing work about whistleblowing, the whistleblowing experience, and the baddies at the state theater and the few goodies and so on. Um, and then uh, I was also at the same time involved in an NGO in Limpopo that I started up, Limpopo Arts and Culture Association. So attending to that full time took me away from my own art for quite a while. I produced very little of my own art for quite a while. 
And then we come back, suddenly Marikana hits us in the face. And it really outraged me what happened at Marikana. And what I started doing then for the first time was really, I used to pull the photographs out of the newspapers of the people involved in Marikana and around Marikana. So it was ministers as well as uh, the poor miners and so on. And from that, I started creating works from the pieces of the newspaper. My argument in my head was that lots of people would have seen these images from the newspapers, from the TV, whatever. So they would recognize it immediately. There would be none of, oh, who's that person? Which is what you do have in my whistleblowing paintings. If you don't know who's there, you don't know who's in the painting. But with the Marikana one, suddenly you actually know you can identify the incident and the people involved. And so that sent me on a long journey of raiding newspapers to find images of mainly our political leaders, political leaders. Um, and I made works around that. I was horrified by Zuma's rape trial. I was horrified by the fact that the ANC then made him president. I mean, how ghastly can you get? And so he became a real prime subject matter. Yeah, I've noticed that. I was also, going to ask that. Also, he was always in the newspaper. You couldn't miss it. I had to keep using those images because he was always in the newspaper. Some of these people you find very few images of them in the newspaper and others are just there all the time, you know? So I've got lots of works I did with Zuma as the main theme. Quite a lot of works with Malema as the main theme. Yeah. But I also did about 120, I think, politicians, little portraits of politicians. 50, 60, 100, I can't remember how many, I've got boxes full of them. They're just small, like A5 almost, collage portraits of politicians, including some of the BA and UDN and so on, not only ANC ones. So uh, yeah, that, I went on a long route that way. Okay. You know, uh, uh, I have to, I have to ask this over here. Like you were, you were saying, a few hundred portraits there. That's that. Uh, it strikes me, and just browsing through some of your work, it seems like you have an extensive catalog. So, a lot of work. Um, I mean, I know as an artist myself, like it takes a lot of energy, and it takes the the the, the, the process is is a process. Um, so you're working on quite a bit of stuff. Uh, you know. Um, the first two questions on that, like the subject matter you're using is heavy, right? And to have such an extensive body of work with such a heavy subject matter, do you somehow, do you balance? Because you, you said earlier on, like, 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 like the work is very therapeutic. Um, is that is that part of the process? Like, like, like just, just getting rid of this uh, sort of, uh, I don't want to say anger, I would say emotion as a more generic term. And um, like your energy, where does it where does it come from? That it's it's very impressive. It's, it's highly impressive. So, 
Is there a, a lifestyle I was born to that? With, I think I was born with this energy. You know, when I was about <laughs> when I was about three or four years old, my mother caught me jumping on the bed with crayons in my fingers and drawing on the wall as I went. And she told me to stop it and I told her to fuck off. <laughs> which is quite which shows you the neighborhood we lived in and the kind of neighbors yeah. we had because my parents yeah. never swore. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think this thing has been in me all my life. This drive to make images and play with images and help other people play with making art. It really is who I am, I suppose, especially visual arts, but not only visual arts, I've done some performance art in my time as well. <laughs> yeah, so. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting, because as I was saying, like um, it's the body of work seems extensive. Um, I do want to get back to the to the politics of it, but I I, I also want to make it about you know this talk about 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 you and and, and not take yes 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 the politics around it was was definitely shaped 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 everything. But um, the next thing is about the <clears throat> so. The subject, mate, the subject matter um, is not always seen as being mainstream, and we can both agree on that. And uh, most galleries uh, want, um, you know, the artist got to have, have you got to have a balance. You got to make the shit that sells, and you got to you can do your 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 loud stuff, but usually it won't really. Yeah, I'll sell. I, I have sold a few here and there, but not enough. <laughs> Certainly not enough. Uh, I remember reading, uh, I don't remember where on one of your posts on, on social media where you were complaining or saying uh, that a lot, a lot of galleries turned your work down. So based off all of that, uh, how, how, how according to you is your work being received by the mainstream and how are you surviving in, you know, with that uh, well, part? Um, I think my work is on the edge, far off the edge for the mainstream partly because it's so critical of very important living human, be human beings. And that makes people uncomfortable. The Brett Murray Zuma penis story uh, caused a lot of fear for galleries. They didn't want that to happen to them, the ANC marching on them. I always thought it would be bloody good for their for promotions, you know? We have a whole political. But not party. everybody thinks like you. Yeah? yeah not everyone. <laughs> not <thinks> everybody. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. There was a small gallery here in Somerset West that actually put on a show for me, which I thought was very brave of him. But he just loved my work. He just packed up laughing every time he looked at it. So he put a show up for me. But the mainstream art. The main art galleries either just did not respond to me at all, which is a good sign that they don't like your work or they're not prepared to put it up. Um, and I think it harkens back to that same issue that you raised at the beginning of this conversation about the caliber of our existing art market and galleries and so on, and the kind of work they're looking for. 
it seems that I don't want to diss artists, but it seems that interior decor <laughs> is the most movable art. Not art that makes you think or wonder what the hell is going on here or what the story is, but art that sits nicely on the wall above the sofa or in the boardroom. I thought my paintings, my whistleblowing paintings would be fantastic in a boardroom <laughs> to make everybody want to harder. But that's me, you know, and I know I think I know I think a bit differently to the average person. I've come to realize that over the past 20 years or so. I think I want to pick your brain a little bit about that. Um, what what constitutes as um, mainstream um, versus and it sort of ties into this ancient outdated structure of, a, of an art gallery and uh, the people, the gatekeepers um, who are in charge of these spaces and that's it, like this is this is trending and, and so on. There was that uh, performance-based artist, uh, some American lady who had that thing where, where, where it was this huge thing where people sit and stare at each other you know and it was this massive massive thing and i always she exactly she's uh, marinovich something something like, uh, uh, yeah some but 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 you know what i'm talking about i was always highly critical on stuff like that because what the fuck is that but at, at the seriously what I, I i i've always found these type of trends in the art world very easy to start because they're so generic and uh you can just pull out anything out of your backside and justify X, Y, Z. And she's a famous, um, maybe influence in my case for that. Um, I know that, um, yeah, okay, I don't want to mention other, but like, I, I, I guess I, I made my point with that. Um, these, uh, I think these ancient structures are falling. Um, I think uh, we are living in a digital age where we have access to a much huger uh, database and we have these huge echo chambers of millions of people that will all stream and basically shout for you. So how do you see your place in, in, in all of that? Because you have, a, you have an unbelievable story which spans multiple decades and the amount of change is unbelievable because in the 70s, I mean, like newsprint was, uh, newspapers was a big thing and it's, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's not even on a conversation these days. How, how uh, I mean, are, do you still want to be relevant? And are you, how are you, you know, how are you, how are you finding these spaces? Um, um, how are you interacting with With difficulty, it? I must admit, with difficulty. I go around to a couple of galleries every now and then. There are a few nice galleries around. Um, there's one near Parliament, Sixth Street something. I forget what it's called, Spring Street. Um, but at the same time, even those galleries that are not totally mainstream galleries are also still showing what I call in the main safe stuff. And even safe artists yeah. only put a couple of things up that are not their usual safe stuff, but when, when shown with all their safe stuff, it makes them safe. Um, I think, yeah, I think most of us are going to have to sell, make our galleries on our computers and sell through 
I sell on the online. You know, most of us can't afford 10,000 rand for a little three square meter space at some art fair. Yeah. Um, so that is kind of out of the question, unless unless some benefactors pitch up. It's so ridiculous. And say, well, you know, let's put a little team together of maybe avant-garde or lesser known artists. Let's pay for the space and let's let them put on shows and see what happens. That for me would be really exciting. Even if my own work is not accepted, it would still be exciting because it would be opening up to a whole new way of doing things. But it does require a benefactor because landlords want rent. Yeah, landlords want rent. So um, I've, I've even thought of trying to send a letter through to Elon Musk. <laughs> if you tap into some people who've got more money than they know what to do with. Guys. And you maybe give them a little bit of a good idea that somebody does. might buy it. Yes, yes, it does. It does. I agree. You know, I agree. I, I agree. With you say. Yeah, I can be people. I think one has to be people. <laughs> I've often said there has to be a ceiling on wealth. Yeah. You know, why must He's a, um, I'm, be a I'm highly critical of Elon Musk, though. Um, I don't really believe in what he's doing. I find it delusional, grandia, a lot of that. But um, that's just me. I do think like he's got he's got too much money, and like he should share. Well, a million <laughs> thing, but a multi-millionaire and a billionaire, a multi-billionaire is terrifying. Absolutely, there's there's nothing more disgusting yeah. than a billionaire. It's and the most only, disgusting. The only one I'm aware of who does do some good community work with his money. It's the most disgusting thing on the planet. Um, it's 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 it, 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 it is so detached from what's happening. No, not Rupert Murdoch. Um, the Rupert Foundation. What's it called? God, I've slipped the disc. Like what? Really? Wine farms and Stellenbosch. Rupert Murdoch. And he deals jewelry overseas and all sorts oh. of things. He's a fucking multi-millionaire. <laughs> but he supports schools on the wine farms. And art centers, educational centers. He funds a lot of students going to university, and he does it quietly. He doesn't do it with his name and banners and all that shit all over the place. Um, that's Rupert. Johan Rupert yeah, is Johan the father, and I don't know. Anyway, I get confused. But the Rupert Foundation, and he's done some good yes. stuff. Yes. But he still yes. has too much money. Interesting, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I do think I do think they do. Uh, personally, but that's my take. I I can't stand. Um, I I'm very critical of people who champion uh billionaires um in anything because these days um I just find it a disgusting narrative which I just remove myself. Now, Elon Musk thinks he's a, thinks he absolves himself of his extreme wealth by living in a shitty little prefab house. Yeah, and the serious delusions yeah, of grandeur there, like, um, you can't even fix something, just, you know, on a, anyway, I, I personally, it's not my thing. Interesting thing on that, uh, 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 I, I, I do know that there's, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's some big money that is willing to throw uh, uh, more money in what, uh, in more progressive uh, uh, art let me say institutions, but personally, and I'd like to get your take on this, man. Um, 
as I said earlier on, like I'm a big supporter of technology. I think that uh, as black people, we should own it as African people and sort of then uh, sort of use that to control the narrative. And um, I'm doing it as we speak. Uh, uh, Gallery, 3, Gallery 360 Africa will be live uh, probably by the broadcasting of this episode. Um, at least the first phase, and then we'll be upgrading and going on, so on. So, um, what we are, what we are looking, what I'm uh, focusing on is uh, what I've noticed with the uh, hard lockdown. Is firstly, is that people were escaping through art, some form of creative expression, whether it be books, music, uh, or uh, like your streaming platforms, Netflix, and so on and so on. Um, that's where they found their escape. And two years on. Uh, the irony is, is that the creative industry has actually suffered more to or to a degree than other uh, than other industries. And surely, like what the media also does, which I find also seriously seriously problematic, is whenever a uh, artist takes his or her life, it gets broadcast all over the world, so you can see like these guys and people take their life in every single every job all over the time. It's not just us, but yes. they always use us as a poster boy or girl for like yo. It's hectic. So I always find that seriously problem. I find even more problematic the people's making money off of that. I'm talking specifically artists. But there's a serious industry growing in painting and drawing dead artists. So those type of themes, I, I think is all part of a sinking ship. Um, so where I want to come in, man, um, we have this, we have this uh, uh, era that we are now part of. Uh, we have in touch with this uh, 5G technology, we have all these devices. I mean, even now we, 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 we talk it through a relatively non-expensive device and, 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 and what we're talking about as content. So I was always, I'm on the thing of, of, of putting um, our uh, industry on a, on a device and having it accessible. And I won't talk about how we're going to do that. That's, that's a different conversation. So, I mean, I let like, all these, um, and I want to take it back to the to the politics. How do you think um, um, artists who um, has let's just call it for for the radical artwork, or who has was pastor? Do you think that this digital platform is our salvation? Do you think we can we can we can own our work? Do you think we can own? In other words, put together online exhibitions of ten thousand people coming and view your work. Uh, do you think it's uh, a reality, given your your uh, your uh, your history in, in in working within these old art institutions? And and do you think a move like that will challenge the you know the the the, the old guard? Yeah, I do. I think it is a possibility. I think it will take a lot of hard work because you still do have to get switched on and create a mailing list, you know, targets that you send your your links out to. You have to host opening events that people want to come to, even if it is online. Perhaps somebody who's talking about the art or talking about the gallery or, I don't know, just anything that's of real interest. So there is, there is going to have to be a lot of homework, aside from let's just put these 50 pieces up and give their titles and hope they sell. And then the other part of it is they must be easy to sell. So the system for people to pay and for you to receive the money and to pass it on to the artist or whatever, it must be an easy, simple system. Sure. It mustn't be a system where money can get lost sure. in the middle sure, sure, or sure. you've got to wait six 
weeks before it's cleared and all of that kind of thing because then we're back to the same crap that we deal with with the with the galleries i know people whose work is sold and three or six months later they're still waiting for their bloody money to come out of the gallery i've i was victim to that myself yes it's a terrible thing it's a terrible thing they're effectively using poor artists to subsidize their rich industry, richer lifestyles, whatever. I mean, um, so I do think something online could be a very interesting development uh, for hundreds of artists, actually. I think the trick might lie in which art you accept, which art you don't accept, and why are you just going to accept everything? You know, is there going to be, you know, what are going to be the rules and the conditions and so on? That's where it starts to get a little iffy. And you might need to sit down with friends and work out the variables and what the parameters are for this thing. Um, obviously, you want to serve as many artists as possible, but you also don't want to serve artists who, well, some artists might want to sign up so that they can cause shit for you. Oh, you didn't sell my work and you didn't show it enough and you didn't do this and you didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and some might even yeah, yeah. Plants, yeah. Uh, to interfere with you from from the more set up situations. You know, the big galleries might set somebody up going there and go and check it out and see what's happening. Um, Maybe I'm just too suspicious these days of everybody's interests. I think you're raising some interesting points there. And 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 like your answer is incredibly interesting. Well, thank you. I think it would be really interesting if you did an online gallery. <laughs> well, you know, I don't really want to drop everything off on this on this recording over here, but um, the processes and the systems are set up and we are working very hard at that. Um, I yeah I don't want to disclose everything on this platform, but like I've got a very new approach, and it's it's very tuned with with data, with with harvesting data. Because one thing I do, um, one thing I'm I was also always conscious of. Um, I'll use myself as an example. Um, I I would I would post a uh, a poster for an event. And I could get an excess of 100 plus likes, shares, blah, 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 amongst those things. And like I'm using 100 as a round figure. And, uh, you know, you'll be lucky if you get 15 of those people at your event. And it's not always the case that the people who like, yes, there's the click culture, sure, but people would take clicking because they want to be some associated. And I always thought that gap there, that thing is interesting to explore. And how do we um, and 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 my solution to is that is the digital space um, is just to, but yeah, as I said I don't, I don't really want to just disclose everything yet now because for a whole bunch of reasons because people are accustomed to going like because mm. Facebook has created that for us. Yeah, definitely. On a, on a gallery, you want much more than a like. Definitely, definitely. Um, so and, yeah, uh, so that's a. Okay, I want to at least put this on the table is that like, sure, I don't have an answer and like what I have is just in theory, how it works in, in practice, <laughs> it's different. That, that's also why I don't want to be all cocky and put here. But um, so I mean, time, only, only time will tell, but 
I'm willing to, I'm taking the risk. Um, and I want to be around with, with people who's, uh, who's critical, but can also champion uh, it when it works, because that's going to be um, critical. Because I'm, I'm really, I mean, Facebook has over a billion people. That's bigger than any pla- uh, country in the world. Uh, and there's one fella, white, white guy, weird fucking guy, since I don't talk to all of that. So in essence, he's, 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 he's one of the biggest empire ever. And uh, if you look at it like that, um, millions of people all uh, looking for some form of, um, I know identity, they say identity politics, identity is the, politics, the main form of politics in this, in, this, in this era that we're living in. You can see that with the rise of nationalism all over the world, which is also another topic which I would love to talk about in the future mm-hmm. because I'm so critical about it. Um, and it's such a, 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 a lightning stick for so many people, but I'm not trying to uh, craft anybody's identity. We just want to create a platform which can uh, facilitate. So if you like something, you can experience it, uh, which is why I'm so big, uh, which why I, one of the reasons why I love podcasting is because we can unpack um, in real detail and have the artist talk on their terms. And, those things. and I think those things are valuable. And um, you, Jesus, you said some wild things, man. The, I would so much love to go back. Um, and I'm thinking, like, I, I think it just needs that, like, on the uh, on the whistleblowing thing, given that has impacted our, our, our industry. And I'm sure if I get a few more other people, we can talk of similar, uh, you know, people who was involved in certain institutions and studios. We can we have similar stories because that that you're saying is not new, and that's the most infuriating yes. part. I'm sure there are a lot. Oof, it's 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 yeah. it's, 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 it's yes. because these are our lives. This is, I'm, this I'm is sure our lives. These people are, are messing yeah. with our livelihood and our lives. And um, well, yes, definitely. I mean, basically, I was rendered unemployable. What does that? Does uh, that just being called a racist? What is it? I mean, look, this is a bit of a board question. I want to try to narrow. If you, you said you're unemployable, well, when you stop to think about it, it, yeah. Well, you know, I was called a racist at the state theatre. And then that information was taken to the minister. And then the minister took that information to the MINMEC meetings, the MECs. So then my MEC in Limpopo was aware suddenly that this woman you appointed is a racist. And so that spreads right through. It's like a virus and it just spreads right through. They tell, you know, they, but I never, nobody ever came to me to ask me about it. They just accepted that that's what it was. And so I became untouchable. I mean, artists who associated with me were threatened. If you, if you associate with her, we're not going to support you. It took a lot of artists just a short time to realize that they weren't going to be supported by government anyway. And I was raising money and running a project that was really assisting tens of artists. So many artists chose to associate with me. But there was that threat against them. If you hang with Arlette, we're not going to have anything to do with you. And Limpopa was known as that white lady. <laughs> that white lady. Um, it will make a good title it was quite if you're going to put together your memoirs I think you should try to adapt a, say <laughs> that white lady while it turns I think that's that that it'll work um, yeah. so good. 
My sister, I want to rap since. Not, not too many people have a sense of humor about it like you do. Good point. <laughs> you have to have a sense of humor. Good about point. Yeah, and some people to. probably find it offensive. Or probably there's, there's some people get offended for but everything. Yeah. But it did make me untouchable. It was very prejudicial. Jesus. People say, oh no, we can't work with her because government doesn't like her and then they're not going to fund us or they're not going to invite us or they're going to stop funding us or whatever it might be so yeah Jesus. at the same time that i was fired from the state theater and then the next day from the national arts council i was also asked very politely by the board to remove myself from the crafts council and from the rural Craft Association and from the Limpopo Education and Training Council because being associated oh. with me was prejudicial to them. So, yeah, so overnight, I think I'm the only person who lost all these, um, what are they called? The, I mean, they're peristatals. I, 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 I'm, that's some, that's some, that's some heavy stuff. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna wrap this up. But I wanna ask you two more questions, right? Um, but before we get there, like these, um, these points, these two points here that you, um, that you're making about, uh, um, I would love to do a follow up on it, man. I just need to re-listen to everything and see how and and, and because you're saying some really scary things. Sure. <laughs> Yay! Sure, now that I've got my Zoom working, I just, we can I just, up <laughs> technology, yeah. If it works, so you would work. But, uh, uh, I just, I just think here's Yay, so many technology. points here that uh, that just needs, um, <laughs> just needs more light. And yeah. um, this is a democratic, a democratic platform. So, um, yeah. So that was the one point, right? So I'll definitely, and I'll, I will speak separately on that um, 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 in time. Uh, 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 the last, the last, the last two points uh, is sort of a moving forward thing. Um, you know, we in March. Uh, the recording of this episode is in March, uh, twenty twenty-two. Uh, the years full on. I mean, the years moving on. Uh, the COVID uh, uh, restrictions are being relaxed. The people who survived the pandemic are trying to get back to their lives. I mean, you got an incredible body of work, and I know you you come across as being still quite quite active. So you know what's um. What what uh, projects what uh, art are you lined up for the rest of the year? Um, what are you working on and so forth? Um, I'm not sure. At the moment, I'm working on miniatures. Believe it or not, I've gone from this scale to this scale. I'm literally working on pieces that are Whoa. seven by seven centimeters, mixed media, and they're yeah. tough as hell. And I haven't cut and I haven't cut out a single political person to stick into these. So I'm, I think I'm trying to wash myself of all the political stuff that I've been doing for 20 years and go somewhere else. And I've also been seriously thinking of more painting. Not just the sticking and the drawing and yeah. stuff, but more painting. So maybe I've got a couple of canvases lying around and I might just attack one of them one of these days with with paint and um, not with any of the stress that or any of the angst or the yeah. anger or the issues 
that I've been dealing with for the past 20 odd years, but free from that, something new. I mean, for all I know, I might come up with something good for interior decorations. <laughs> <I hope> not. <laughs> that would be that would really make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I hope not. Uh, one of the one <laughs> One of the one of the things that um, I I wish to do on this platform is to champion uh, people who've been consistent, like uh, like yourself, and um, for other artists to take to take a leap from that. Because uh, one major issue I have among so many uh, with our industry is how quickly uh, uh, people change, and on the other hand, how stubbornly they stay the same as things, because everything is based around how much money. Uh, people are willing to pay for your art and um, I think that prejudices every every single aspect of it so what I'm what I'm what I'm super interested in is people who's, who's been continuing this for so many years that's why that's why I think it'll be really cool to do a follow-up especially to talk about uh, one thing one thing I spoke about on this platform quite a bit in 2020 and the early part of 2021 was uh, uh, how the pandemic has shifted artists uh, uh, you know the processes and how the 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 the, the lack of movement has impacted uh, everything everything the, the the processes and all of that and like one thing that resonates here that I'd love to explore is is all these uh, topics how do you besides besides this through actual art making what other processes what other lifestyle choices etc you do to to let up because I think that's something we can definitely learn about and um, just the sheer volume of of work. Uh, like what happens to this um, to the, to this work? But like I think that can be a sort of I think there's there's just so many uh, things involved in that. Well, I'm I'm lucky. Occasionally, I actually <laughs> sell a work or two. There are a few yeah. people who like the work. I've got some lady who's threatening to come out here in about three weeks' time <laughs> to have a look at my work, I and she's that. got her eye on a few of them. So we'll see if anything from that actually transpires but otherwise i live in a big house and i've got a lot of stuff right. stored <laughs> which is a pain in the neck but it's here still you know um i have sisters and i've given quite a lot of work to my sisters because they've also got walls <laughs> that they can hang it on they like the work so it doesn't hide away that's what that to me is quite important yes the work should be the seen. public the public should experience um, i i with you there 100 yeah. i think there's nothing worse than putting a painting yeah. in a box somewhere and then it lies there for 50 years so what's the point you know like if it's painted it absolutely, should be seen absolutely listen i'm i'm not i'm not that precious about my work i've been known to paint over to remake work this one's been around for 10 years and I haven't sold it and nothing's happening with it. So quick, let's make it white again and start all over. I've been Yeah, that's it. actually that's actually quite quite interesting. There's quite so, a few um, artists that um, that does that. Yeah. I've sometimes fantasized about how in 20 or 30 years' time somebody yes, will take yes, an yes. X-ray to one of my an exhibition in, 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 in a few years if uh, technology allows it you can take the photos and yeah. have photos and say like oh shit like this painting has 
actually yeah, that it might be just completely different narrative. Yeah. That's what I that's what I enjoy by technology. Like it uh, it allows us to think and actually make it practical. Um, but let's do that, man. Um, I will follow up with you uh, regarding some of your work with the app. Um, but that is a separate conversation too. But I'll give you I'll be in touch with that. Okay, there's just one other Please. thing I'd like to throw in here. Um, I sometimes use my art as a spell oh, making okay, process. that's interesting. Yeah, so I've got a couple of works, for instance, I made in Limpopo. There was a drought. There was like a three or a five year drought. There was no rain. And I made some paintings about the rainmaker and the rain and pissing from the heavens and all the rest of it. And suddenly rain making works. It started raining. My spell worked. And I've done that a couple of other times. Then in 2017, I started making a painting about Zuma falling off his chair. He's very high chair and he fell off his chair and he landed up in the <laughs> in the shit, to put it mildly, at the bottom, in the sewers. And that's and then he lost his position. His brand is so that little spell uh, yeah and sometimes i want is this all in my head <laughs> or is there some magic yeah uh, artists have insight in the future somewhere. that's for sure i'm um, um, um we have you know if you think of a third eye you yeah. we see uh i mean you can think like even musicians and also and writers are also really infamous for for doing that so that yeah. that's actually also another <laughs> That's also uh, uh, another topic on, on so how you how you put together yeah. your, your 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 work, which is because just a, just as closing a point yeah. on your conceptual, uh, I want I was going to ask that, but like the conversation went, um, like a uh, uh, conceptual uh, artwork has it's such a it's such a layered uh, artwork that like its interpretation can change. Uh, uh, over time and 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 yeah then you can say like, oh snap but this person yeah. actually saw so that's also that's also something i'm i'm, I'm super interested because in my personal work uh i i work very conceptually as well i don't really use a lot of simple symbols other than um, my personal like the words that i use and that kind of as a yeah as a symbol on its own but um super super interesting and because It'll be, it'll be cool to also to 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 uh, relate that that process between like let's say um, in a in a in a pre Windows nineteen uh, or, or internet era versus like uh, uh, so yeah. man there's so many there's so many things here man I let thanks so much for coming through man uh, and for sharing and being and being honest the 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 the, the 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 honesty thing and uh, just like it man you said some you said some stuff there that's, that's, that's probably gonna sit in my brain all day so there goes my sunday <laughs> I, i'm now wired uh, uh <laughs> i haven't ruined it i haven't ruined it yeah I've yeah you just sunday. just repainted it that's a that's a good or added another lens to it so um, oh, but i yeah. you know um that's um, that's the nature i love that i think <laughs> i think that type of thing keeps me <laughs> keeps me young it keeps me all these good things um so Actually, thank you 100 again and for coming through um and for sharing everything and uh, it's a pleasure and i'm available if you I want will, to ask more i questions. will um enjoy the rest of your afternoon and i'll be in touch yeah. with you next week sometime you too and have I another will. drink on me <laughs> <laughs> thank you i'll let's okay. speak to you soon <laughs>
I'm going for coffee. Okay. Thanks. It was really sure. nice to Thank chat you. with Bye -bye. you. Bye bye. Hey everybody, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I certainly did. It was really, really, really dope talking to her. Um, remember to catch me on all my streaming platforms, uh, on Spotify, on iTunes, on all my social media networks too. Uh, and big up to Julius Batson from Harare for coming through for producing this gig. And uh, yeah, next week um, I have another dope-ass poet called Ntlantla. Um, we're talking actually a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of cool things, so look forward to that. And um, I'll be announcing a few more things in the coming few weeks, so stay tuned to that. Until um, then, world, take care. Out.